Phil, he will be in a fetal position crying if you say he's wrong again, I can guarantee you. Yeah, if I'm wrong again, I'm burning that shirt. You are listening to the PHP Ugly Podcast, episode 25, recorded August 26, 2016. Today, we talk about our personal projects, upgrading one Laravel project from 5.2 to 5.3, some opcache versus xcache settings and optimizations. We laugh at Thomas for being yelled at by his idol, Phil Sturgeon. The new Laravel certification program. Talk about MariaDB and how they closed sourced their max scale proxy server. We then talk about Microsoft open sourcing PowerShell for both Linux and Mac OS. And finally discuss how downgrading an NPM package or removing it from the community broke many sites. Let's get started. Hey, how's it going, Eric? Hey, Thomas. Hey, guys, how's it going? Who's that lurking in the darkness? That's our baby daddy. <laughs> I mean, not, not our baby daddy, but... <laughs> that, that, John. Just, that just got really weird really quick. Yeah. John Congdon has decided to rejoin us. Yeah, and I'm probably going to sound all sorts of weird because I'm trying not to wake the kid up. Uh, yeah, you've had some changes in your life, huh? Yeah. Look My... at the little baby sleeping. He turns five weeks old tomorrow. It's crazy. Wow. Five weeks. Have you gotten learning them yet? Not trying. <laughs> Here's my five-week-old. What's his name? Nolan. Aww. I've been calling him Gary this whole time. <laughs> what have you guys been up to? I bet not missing me on the show, right? I bet- Absolutely. Oh, yeah, we've, right. missed, we've missed you very much. I've been listening. I know what you guys have been saying. We, we've had fan emails saying, bring back John. Yeah, I've read them oh, all. We've, oh, wait. We've had we emails. Any. <laughs> I haven't gotten fan emails. I've gotten some, some critical emails. You, you some can, death threats. You've gotten some yeah. critical tweets. Oh, yeah. You get a couple of cri- So now, how, how weird was that to see somebody uh, you covet a little bit, uh, find out that they, they're listening to you? Yeah, I was wearing his t shirt when I got the message. <laughs> <laughs> I hope um, it was a t shirt you bought from him, not one he like left over one night. No, no, it's not one that I snuck into his house and stole. Stop I keep that elsewhere. So, come on, bring us up to speed. What happened? So we got a tweet from uh, Mr. Phil Sturgeon, who, if you don't know who he is out there, I'm not sure why you're listening. He is one of the figureheads of the PHP community. And he simply said, uh, listening to PHP Ugly 24 and Fig stuff, there were a few inaccurate positions which the conversation was then based off of. And, you know, a lot of the conversation that we've been having about the, the Fig has revolved around the controversy with... Paul Jones. Paul, yeah. Paul M. Jones. And... We were talking a lot about what he was having to say, but weren't really covering a whole lot else. There is definitely a diversity in perspective there that we didn't cover. Yeah, there's and always multiple to... sides to a story, and it's easy to get caught up on one side. Yeah, you know, there's there's only so much time in the day to read about internal struggles within a political community. So <laughs> I, I highly recommend everyone check out uh, Phil Sturgeon's post um, from August 2nd on philsturgeon.uk about uh, diversity in the PHP community and the the sort of direction that things are heading from his perspective because he, like I said, very smart man and knows what he's talking about and contributes uh, significantly to the PHP community. And we'll, we'll make sure that link is in the show notes. But yeah, I know you're a big Sturgeon's fan. You got all giddy when he uh, talked to... Uh, 
mentioned you on Giddy Twitter. and terrified. You know, it, we it, have 35 it, listeners, and one of them's Phil Sturgeon. That doesn't <laughs> make sense in my book. <laughs> That's the, a busy man. The funny thing is, you tried so desperately to, to craft the proper response in our private chat room. Like, what am I going to say? How do I respond to this? I don't know this? what to do. I don't know. <laughs> I pictured a big uh, puddle of piss around your floor. <laughs> <laughs> so, Phil, if you're listening to this show, you should know Thomas probably spent, you know, an hour in Slack with responses to your tweets saying, what about this? What about that? No, not that you guys didn't have your opinions on what I should and shouldn't say. Yeah, unfortunately, you <laughs> but, didn't take any of them. It would yeah. have been funny, though. But it's 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 hard to respond to criticism, especially when it's coming from somebody who you hold in such esteem. So the conflict wasn't what do I say to prevent some kind of uproar in the community. It was what do I say <laughs> to impress upon this man how much I respect him. You weren't trying to stay off of PHP Drama's radar? I'm already yeah. on their radar. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, don't don't be too beat up uh, about it. Our our relationship with Taylor Otwell wasn't the smoothest at the beginning either. We had a little bit of a rocky start, but it all seemed to work out in the end. I do believe he's forgiven us. Yeah, I'm, I'm hoping he's forgotten about it. <laughs> yeah. And no one, no one at the meetup says the F word anymore. Yeah. <laughs> And as far as the the stuff with the fig goes, yeah, I, I totally get what you're saying. I understand why Phil said something. I appreciate that he did it. Honestly, for me, it was just like one of those little stories that didn't seem to want to go away. <clears throat> and every week, we I found that you know it kept popping up on our list to talk about. I'm like, oh man, we're still talking about this. And well, and it seemed like the person who was documenting it the most was. Paul M. Jones, you know, he was the one really daily posting for, about it for a while and saying, this is what's happening and here's what I think is going on. And my wife said to me when I told her that Phil message, I, she said, well, did you say something wrong or incorrect? Did he correct you on something specifically? And my response was, well, no, you can't really say something incorrect because it's politics, mm. you know, and it's just that we had provided too myopic of a perspective and I think we covered Fig for like four or five podcasts straight. So, and this this would be like six, <laughs> hopefully the last one. Yep. So, yeah, a fig dozen. <laughs> God <laughs> damn it! You keep bringing that one up, don't you? Oh, man, it's pretty slick though. It's a good good entry there. Thank you. What have you guys been up to? Oh man, just uh, not a whole lot. I, I actually got some downtime last week. I uh, went up to Washington State, got to see one of the developers I work with who used to live here in San Diego, uh, Kalen. I mean, I talk to the guy every day, and uh, I haven't seen him in, in a very long time. Got to meet his wife and two kids, and it was good. It was good to hook up with the guy again and get caught up. I mean, it's fun. Like I said, we speak every day, but it's always still nice to get that FaceTime and in-person time. So that was that was real nice. Um, you took the Washington whole family State. on that too, right? Yeah, Washington State was fantastic. My kids, who are born and raised in Southern California, they had been to the East Coast a couple times, especially when they were younger. But they had never seen so much green, so many trees in one place. They were beside themselves. So I had a good time. What about you guys? What are you guys? Well, John, we know what you've been up to. Well, what I, have you been up to, John? Well, outside of the newborn, work has just been crazy and wanted some opinions do you guys use opcash i don't use opcash yeah i don't i don't really use it well it's 
great and it's built in now. I mean, Opcash won out over the other cash options, but all of a sudden, probably about a month ago, one of uh, my clients kept throwing seg faults in Apache and mm. still can't figure out what was causing it. But it seemed like as soon as we would clear Opcash, everything would start working fine. And it would be sometimes a seg fault would be thrown and it only affected one page. Other times it would start and then just bring down the entire sites. And it was driving us crazy. Somebody there switched out Opcash for Xcash. And hmm. the problems went away. That's weird. Well, we st- I mean, we still got seg faults, but nowhere near the kind we had. And none that brought down the entire site. So it'd be a little one-off seg faults. So it- nowhere near as bad as it was. Right. So, John, what are you using Opcash for? What do you what do you have it doing? It's just caching the PHP code so that it's not compiling every time. It's not hitting the disk every time. It's a recommended setting. It's built into PHP seven now. I think it was before that too. Five six and uh, anyway, so it's not going to disk and compiling every single time. It dramatically improved the performance of our sites just by turning it on. But it's just a, it was a weird thing, so I was wondering if anybody had experience with that. No, I can't say I have. No, I haven't, but it's something to keep an eye out for. Yeah. And then the, the second big thing that happened this morning, and it's funny because there was a, one of the topics that we had listed to, to talk about was MaxScale, how it's no longer open source. Oh, yes, yes, the MariaDB thing. Yeah, so we've been having a lot of database issues with the same client, and we're looking for a proxy server. We were looking at MaxScale and ended up not going with that. So it was kind of funny that that was a topic to talk about. We went with Proxy SQL or Proxy SQL. That was about three weeks ago and it worked great. And then all of a sudden today, for their entire system was down for over an hour because of it and couldn't figure out why. And it turned out that from their data center in Vegas to Amazon, there was some sort of latency issue, which caused connections to fail, and then proxy SQL just crapped. I mean, it was horrible trying to debug it. So they were trying to do a proxy uh, across regions? I mean, was that the purpose, or was it just that Amazon was a cheap uh, backup? No, they have their own equipment in a data center in Vegas, and then for redundancy and failover and just pure processing power, they spun up an EC2 instance in Amazon, okay. actually a couple of them. So uh, little reporting queries or, or slow running queries that we want to offload, they're being run on those servers. The problem is those backed up and took down everything. It was a nightmare this morning. That had been difficult to troubleshoot, huh? No, because the messages were coming back that connections were failing to the database Oh, so you were you were actually getting notifications that the connection was failing. Right. And uh, the database server that they have in Vegas isn't powerful enough because they've grown tremendously. So the single master database server just isn't enough to keep up with the traffic. Mm-hmm. So trying to get bypass proxy SQL to go just to the master server didn't help. It made things worse. <laughs> <laughs> and it just wasn't fun. It, it they were down for probably over a half hour while we we're trying to figure it out. And it just happened to, we happened to see later on that there was this latency to, to Amazon that caused it all. So yeah. well, my, I hope somebody catches hell for that. Oh, the postmortem was not fun. <laughs> postmortem was 
horrendous. As postmortems typically are. Yeah. And I was like, why don't we just buy another machine to put in Vegas? You know, make to have a, a local replica server there. <laughs> Let's not go to Amazon for it. <laughs> That's ridiculous. It was easy at the time. Spin up an EC2 instance and you're good to go. But man, when it causes an issue like that, you got to rethink that. So Thomas. Yes, sir. We had some fun yesterday, didn't we? Tons of fun. We got to do a guest appearance. Yeah, we were on uh, Lair Chat Live. Really? That was exciting. It was. It was great. <laughs> wish I would have listened to it. I did not, just so you know. <laughs> no, we know. We get uh, One of the things about doing something live is you get all the, the input right as you're doing it. So, But <laughs> they know what they're doing. You know, They made us look uh, kind of amateurish there. Oh, they, big time. Yeah. They had no, with their chat system set up, and they were, they were in Slack, ready to go. and Oh, they were queuing up stories to each other. Oh, yeah. Gets... Did you guys learn anything? You didn't? Hell no. <laughs> we're still here. Oh, you I, was, the... I was hammered. We, we, we learned we really should not be doing this. What the hell? <laughs> yeah. They had a, a bunch of people uh, watching live, and yeah, they had an itinerary set out and ready to go, and it was it was impressive. But yeah, it was a ton of fun, too. We got to talk about dev stuff with a lot of other devs and you missed a pretty good uh laravel meetup john oh yeah yeah we had more people watching the live stream than were physically there (laughs) that's hilarious it was i was happy that i I got to make it the pre-game you know i got to hang out with you guys for a couple hours but just yeah it was good to see you there it was good to see you at pre-game just the the nighttime routine just isn't there yet Uh, you'll get there Yeah. yeah about about 18 years, you'll be there. <laughs> Not quite that long. He says. I'll be back in the saddle here soon, hanging out with you guys. Yeah, neglecting the children. Yeah. <laughs> they don't need me. They don't That's what we do. So, Thomas. Yes, sir. How's your migration going? So, I've started this uh, 5.3 migration on my big uh, Goliath system that I've ended up with. Laravel 5.3. Laravel 5.3, yeah. From 5.1 or 5.2? From five two. Okay, all right. Yeah, and uh, some bumps in the road for sure. Back when I started, Iron IO was a a officially supported Q engine, which moved out of the framework and got taken up by the same group that handles the HTML helpers now. Oh, the consortium, the Laravel yes. consortium, which is a weird name, man. <laughs> yeah, they really need to work on their marketing a little bit. Yeah, they've got their dependencies for five two hard coded in their JSON, in their Composer JSON. So it's just an immediate fail when you try to port that over. Oh, oh, uh, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, that would be... Well, I mean, yeah. It makes sense from their perspective to enforce that level of, of security, or, or at least uh, quality. Yeah, but, uh, but at the same time, Laravel 5.3 did get their official release. you think they would have been... Up to speed on some of these packages. Yeah, should have been it should have been ahead of the curve a little bit, and uh, I can tell that not many people are adopting five three yet. I mean, granted, it's only been less than a week, yeah. but I was number two in line to complain about this on their GitHub. So we're we're waiting, and hopefully this weekend we'll see uh, the patch get pushed out. We got a comment back from them saying that they're going to work on it this weekend. I also ran into trouble with uh, Sentinel which is a user security suite by Cardalist. Not sure if you guys have ever heard of them. Yeah, yeah, I, definitely. So Sentinel 
doesn't work out of the box, unfortunately. You know, they had an issue with the upgrade to uh, the jump. I, I forget if it was to 5.0 or 5.1, but there was some Laravel release that took, seemed to take them a while to get caught up. I mean, back in the 4, 4.0 days, 4.x days of Laravel, they were the authentication, the way to do yeah, authentication. with absolutely. Laravel. But, you know, Laravel started doing a bunch of its own authentication, so they, they stopped being as pertinent. But, yeah, so they're, they're behind the curve again? Just a little bit. I've pushed out a PR to them that will actually cover the issue, and it's not really their fault. This is a, a change, a breaking change in Laravel that is doesn't appear to be documented. It might be a bug in Laravel, or it might be an intentional breaking change, but uh, I've provided a workaround, and they're looking at it. Are you using that for ACLs or actual authentication? Uh, we're using it for authentication and group management, group permissions. Yeah. Is it something you maybe you should try to push back up to upstream to Laravel? Uh, you know, I'm looking into it. Uh, I found specifically where the problem is occurring, and I'm not mm -hmm. sure if it is the intended behavior or if it is a newly introduced issue. But okay. it's in a very core, it's in the array helper object. So we'll see what I can make of it this weekend, because I'll be looking at that. And we, and we really shouldn't be that hard on these packages. I mean, Laravel did just get their official release on Tuesday. So like you said, it's been less than a week. I mean, it's been queued up for over a month, but... Yeah, I guess we can cut him some slack. Well, and it's in a very, it's in a specific case. Uh, looking at the, the Jenkins system that they run, you know, they're testing for compatibility in all the different PHP versions. They're not using unit testing to check compatibility for different versions of Laravel. So uh, that's something that I would fix if I were in their shoes. But again, it's not really their fault. This is a fault in 5.3 just sort of sudden change behavior that it, it is unexpected. So uh, besides that, uh, an hour and a half or so tweaking uh, models, changing the event service provider and route service provider, and it's passing all my tests now. So pretty painless? Yeah, uh, uh, relatively painless. You know, I'm running something around 500 tests now on my system, so it's just really one thing that's not working which is pretty easily resolved now was there something specific in 5.3 that was causing you to want to upgrade or are you just doing it to stay on top of it notifications man it's all about them notifications eric gave a fantastic presentation about the new stuff in 5.3 and there's things like mailables which are really cool really helpful for our system specifically and the notification system which boy it's it's almost as if our newest feature set was designed to use this functionality as an example case because that's what we'll be doing so we had some other news come out of the laravel camp this this week it sounds like they have a official certification process going on yeah now you had a a, a hand in this from the story i heard <laughs> oh i don't know if i how much of a hand in it i had i did ask uh taylor back in uh 2015 when i went to laracon what the chances are, uh, were of him getting a certification program in place. And he let me know way back then that it was something that they were very interested in. He was very interested in. They had already done some legwork on it. There was a lot of costs. Uh, it was a pretty complicated process, but that it was something that they he was continuing to, to look into. And it sounds like they uh, he worked through a lot of it. I keep saying they like, like he's this 
corporation, but it is now. Yeah, well, they do have a lot of people, different people working on it. You guys sign up for the newsletter already on it. I did. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So it's still not ready. They're still working on it, but yeah, we don't have a price. We don't really have anything besides. We we don't have any cheat sheets yet. See, I gotta no. wait until the cheat sheets come out. But this now, if at the bottom Cliff, of the Cliff at the bottom of the page for the certification, you can see that the Laravel certification program is a web engineers product, and I believe web engineers is the group that Taylor is working with now, which is uh, him, Freak Vanderhurten, and Chris Keithlin. Is this where they were doing the first employee? Is one of them the first employee, or I don't believe these guys are the first employees, but I think they are the board that run that's running things yeah it's gonna it's gonna be interesting to see how this process pans out of the the certification process has always fascinated me as somebody who's gone through the microsoft one you you learn very early on in the certification process that they're not wanting you to explain the right way of doing something they want you to explain their way of doing something and once you get your head around that, you pass the certification test a lot quicker. I'm curious about how the Laravel one's gonna, going to get handled and how difficult they're going to make it. Like, especially like the first version, I imagine, is, will probably be very difficult. Like, you know, only a test that like Taylor and a few others would, would be able to pass. But I'm going to be interested to see how it pans out. Yeah, I'll definitely be bugging my boss to pay for that one for me. Well, they also have the, the certification for businesses, so I'm interested to see what that's about, too. See if that's something that we should get. Yeah, I'm interested in that as, as well. I'm curious if that's just a matter of, as to be a certified business, you only have to have X amount of certified developers on your team, or I'm curious to see what that actually involves. But uh, money. Yeah. <laughs> just give us money. some more money. It's always money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> some Laravel certified knee pads. <laughs> Come on. Is that, is that, I'm sorry, is that too much? <laughs> a little too far. Talking about too, oh, my God. Uh, yesterday, man, I had a real, uh, real Thomas back in. He starts going down his whole little porn world. You're talking, asking the guy if the curtains match the drapes or, oh, or the sheets. Or I'm like, whoa, whoa! What are you talking this about? Is not he had he had Lego City curtains on the wall, and I was, and it was you could see in the camera his bed ne next to it. I was just wondering if he had Lego City sheets that matched the curtains. <laughs> oh my goodness! What are you talking it was, about? It, it, it was, was. They were. They were pretty. I mean, they were. We were on a video podcast, and they were just screaming people were even saying something in chat about it oh like, what's please. what's the story with his with his curtains but it was just a way like you know he had to go all php ugly on the guy <laughs> yeah represent <laughs> and that's why it was our only show we got invited back you, you did oh you didn't i'm sorry <laughs> i'm bringing this back i got a question for you thomas absolutely going back to you you're upgrading to five three yeah. What is your release schedule like? Do you guys Boy, going back to I, having issues with code releases that sometimes break? Do you do only after hour releases? Do you release during the day when things can be tested? What do you I, guys do? I swear to God, and this is not my decision. We release on Fridays. I knew he was going with Friday. I knew you Friday, were going to say Friday. I, I swear to God, Friday afternoon. Oh my God! It is the worst. 
It is out of my hands. I, I've been told I cannot change it. Ugh. Yeah, it's bad. So you guys release every Friday? So you release once a week? Is is that the idea? No, no, no. Our, our big releases are, you know, site-wide changes or large support changes. Those are Things that will keep you busy all weekend. Yes, yes. Let's do those the on small, Friday. The small ones, we're not that far away from working on the production system. We're like a step away from that, so we just sort of... You mean actually coding on the production system? Yeah. You don't have an actual release site? No. We develop, develop the patch, run our tests on it, make sure it passes our Jenkins install, and then it gets pushed up to production At least whenever. you got the Jenkins piece there. Someone does. I think someone does. It's not... <laughs> that, that goes into operation. I operations. assume that's what happens. Yeah. Oh, I don't know. <laughs> It seems like that's what everybody says on podcasts, so... Yeah, yeah. I know John Travis. John, you got Jenkins or Tra- Travis set up for the client? Jenkins. But Jenkins. it's not... I'm, I'm having an issue with it right now. I haven't had a successful build in probably a, the last few hundred pull requests. Oh, It's geez. not the most friendly <laughs> interface. Well, no, this is my... This is something I wrote. The unit test hit, hit the database directly, so that's not good. Ooh. Oh, yeah, you were telling me about that earlier, unit test hitting the, hitting the, the database directly. The code is so, I mean, it's so hard code. It's so hard not to hit the database right now. Yeah. But the reason I was asking about release schedule is they've had, if this year has been bad for them, infrastructure has been the, the biggest issue with servers going down, today's issue with the database. Who's uh, them? One of our clients. So database issues, that SegFault issue that I, we still haven't really solved on top of that a few code deployments that have broken things. Even though we, we do as much testing as we can. Let me step back. Well, not as much well, you, not as much as we can because unit tests you are... You run the tests. Yeah. And you just don't care if they fail. No, we care. No, we the unit tests that are written are good, but not everything's unit tested. So there needs to be a ton more tests written, obviously. But we still do... A, our code review is, I think, pretty good for the most part. We do release every week... But there's been a couple of issues where things have blown up. And because of those couple of instances, on top of all the infrastructure, people are asking, should we change our deployment strategy? Should we deploy only after hours? Should we deploy on the weekend or something else, you know? Or Friday. Friday. (laughs) Well, it's currently being done Wednesday afternoon because we figure... That gives us a few hours. You know, East Coast will be kind of signing off because it's a business product. Most people are using it to business hours. So you get the East Coast yeah. kind of sliding off in the afternoon. We're in Pacific time here. So if we launch around 1 or 2 o'clock, you know, those people are signing off for the day. We have a short window where people are actually using it. And if there are issues, we can solve them hopefully the same day. But the question still remains, do we keep doing it that way or make changes to our process? Yeah, that's a philosophy of deployment. You know what I mean? Uh, I wouldn't say that there's a right answer, but I would easily say that there's some better answers and some worse answers. Yeah. That was a very politically... (laughs) What are you, running for governor or something? There are right answers, there are wrong answers. You know, it's all just a philosophy of how you You didn't get any angry tweets at 7 in the morning, okay? So we touched a little bit on it earlier. Let's circle back around to some decisions Marie, Maria DB Corporation has decided now, to take. Eric, you were you were 
very excited last week about open source government, open source community changes that were coming along, and then all of a sudden it's like this is a slap in the face. This is hurtful. This is very hurtful, especially seeing how the whole reason MariaDB is around was because of this uprising when Oracle purchased Sun and took over MySQL and what they were going to do with it. And now MariaDB is basically closed sourcing. Well, it's so the, the license they're releasing it under is a business source license, the BS license. Which but let's be clear. It's not MariaDB <laughs> itself. It's MaxScale, which is the database proxy software. Right. For now, yes. That, that, right. That's correct. For now, that's that's what it is. But the, the question is, are they setting a precedence, right? I think that's one of the concerns. The other concern being that this just doesn't seem like being a good open source citizen. I don't know. On the fence about it myself. Now, the, the, the whole... If I'm understanding the BS license, I love just saying it's the, the BS license. If I'm understanding the whole BS license, it says that... After some amount of time, it becomes open source. Yeah, so I, ha I have the text here. Usage of the software is free when your application uses the software with a total of less than three database server instances for production purposes. So it's, it's an on-your-honor license still. It's still open source. You can still grab a copy and use it. Well, I'm sorry. The source is still available. And as they release new versions, older versions become open source. That's how I understand it, yeah. Yeah, I, it's, this is the Halloween bowl of candy license. If you're a good kid, you pick a piece of candy and walk away. But if you take the whole bowl, you're just a jerk. So I guess the, the reason I post this, John and Tom, is I'm just curious about your opinion. Because it's always this weird balance we in the open source community try to maintain where we want to make a living off of open source, but... You know, when do we overstep the boundaries, and do you guys consider this overstepping? Well, considering it's not the database itself, and that was the big thing that they were trying to protect with MySQL, right? When they created MariaDB, right. it was open source right. in that. Do we run the risk of them closed sourcing that? Possibly, but I doubt that's going to happen. They're doing it on a, one of their smaller products that they want to monetize somehow. But that's the question here is, what are the implications for SLAs? Because there are a lot of open source companies that make their money on service level agreements, providing overnight support or long-term support for enterprises. Right, but this, I mean, this removes that option, right? It basically forces you to buy a support contract when you buy, it, buy the license. Right, and so what is what is the implication for how many people were buying support licenses, how many people were supporting open source in the way that we've been touting for a long time as being the right way to support open source. And how many, well, I keep going back to, it's not MariaDB, how many people are actually using MaxScale? Yeah. Yeah, but don't you think, don't you think the real companies that are using it would want support? Maybe. I, I mean, my, my point being is there was no reason to put this mandate on it by having them purchase a license. You continue down the path of the philosophy of open source and you make your money by offering support for it. And I think the companies that are actually using it, the companies that are going to buy the license are the same companies that would have bought the support. There was no reason to have this license on there. It just makes you look bad. Well, on that note, though, I, I did have a support agreement with uh, Percona 
And we got that support agreement because we had completely destroyed our production database and could not recover it. So mm -hmm. we called them and said, hey, we'd like to buy one of your support agreements. Also, can you take a look at this for us? Right. You know? Exactly. That, and that's well, fine. I mean, that's that's how it's that's one of the ways it, it's meant to work. Yeah, and we had an agreement from then on. We had an agreement with them. And that, that that's kind of the the core of of the philosophy is, you know, this model works. The support model works. And it's just, you know, I just I kind of get tripped up when I see Maria DB deviate a little bit from it. Because it just doesn't seem to be a, enough of a justification for that deviation. And, well, and, and MariaDB, they're, they're an icon. You know, they, they came about from all the fears of open source collapsing with MySQL purchase, which, which is still open source. Right. So it sort of seems like the company that existed to save us all from our evil corporate overlords is turning into one of our evil corporate overlords. Well, it might be a little early to say that, but yes, it, the, the I, I think this was a misstep, and I hope they correct it, but I don't know. We'll see. I don't want to spend a whole lot of time on it. I, I know I get on the I know I get on the soapbox when we start talking about open source, and I know we have another open source story queued up, so uh, I'll uh, I'll refrain. Do we? Well, what's we your do. open source story? Oh, you you want my my open source? Oh, I'd love thing. to jump straight into this one. So. This still continues to fascinate me. I mean, it it takes my breath away every time I see an announcement like this come from this corporation. Microsoft continues to go down the open source path. I'm so excited about this, and at the same time, so thoroughly confused. But We've got MariaDB, that's an open source company, closed sourcing some of their code. And then Microsoft open sourcing some of theirs. Exactly. So, <laughs> so so much has happened with Microsoft and open source over the last year, year and a half, with them creating a, a Visual Studio and uh, uh, them including the uh, Ubuntu uh, command line on the current Windows 10. I just you know they they've gotten very friendly about being open source, which is great. You're still a little freaked out. Uh, at least myself as an open source guy, I'm still a little freaked out about it and very skeptical about when they come out with the announcements. But then, here we go again. Microsoft open sources PowerShell. And PowerShell is like, that was that was their answer to the Unix uh, shell before they ported, allowed it to run on Microsoft. PowerShell was like this very right. strong command line interface. And I, I believe, now I have never used it, but I believe it has a lot of interfaces with their cloud solutions. Uh, what's, it, what's it called? What's their cloud? Azure? Uh, 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 OneCloud? Uh, yeah. yeah. Now, Eric, you're, you're brushing aside the fact that they, they added, just within this year, the Bash shell. I mean, that on its own is crazy. They integrated open source code into the Windows OS. In, yeah, no, in... I, I, I talked about it. It was the Unix Bash shell. I mean, yeah. the, uh, the Ubuntu Bash shell, yeah. Yeah, and absolutely. It's it's... And then this. So and this think... now, this this they're open sourcing it so that it's able to run on Linux and OS. The PowerShell, the Microsoft PowerShell, to run on Linux and OS. It's oh, bizarre. OS X, yeah. No, Mac OS. OS X, yeah. Yeah, and you know... OS X, not X. No. Sorry. No. Oh, jeez. No, Mac OS. 
Is it Mac OS? They, I, I they, can't they, keep... they recently changed it to Mac OS. I can't keep these timelines straight anymore. <laughs> is... We're currently in the alternate timeline where Biff Tannen is running for president. This <laughs> is damn true, isn't it? I think one of the things that's strangest about this for us, because we're old hats in the open source community, and there was a time when Microsoft wasn't just anti-open source. They were straight up the enemy. They said, open source is dangerous. Open source will kill software development. Open if source you run is open less source secure. in your company, you will get hacked. Yeah. And this is a reversal uh, on a level that is totally shocking to, to the old school developers. Yeah. Um, and I've looked it up, and it's it's not just like a casually open license they're they're hopping on the mit license yeah it's weird right (laughs) right and they're and they're they're publishing it to github which is essentially a competitor's source control solution (laughs) i I don't i don't know is there a public uh, visual source safe out there i don't think there is no but if there's not gonna be one now there might be. Who knows? They're publishing to GitHub, though. <laughs> like, this would be how you launch a, a source-safe product, not how you, you publish your small changes in PowerShell. I still, I, every time, every time they make an announcement, I see the guy from Star Wars yelling, it's a trap. Every time. <laughs> yeah. Admiral Akbar. Akbar. The guy, God, the guy from Star Wars. The guy from Star Trek saying it's a trap. <laughs> yeah, Losing my key crib. <laughs> Live long and may the force be with you. Yeah, it's definitely, it, this is a bizarre turn of events for Microsoft, which seems like it's now just in the business of of radical business maneuvering with the whole thing about Windows 10 being uh, in a non-forced authorization. You don't have to register your Windows 10. You don't have to buy it. It won't just shut down on you. Giving licenses away, essentially, to people who had pirated windows products in the past giving them a free upgrade you know we're we're seeing weird stuff coming out of microsoft lately okay i got one more story for you guys i think y'all will appreciate this this is a funny one this is hysterical so we might remember sometime back the what was it the the pad left npm pad left left pad yeah left pad fiasco where the developer pulled it down ended up breaking a ton of packages and you know they're like oh yeah we're we're gonna put we're gonna put checks in place so this doesn't happen again well it happened again (laughs) and what's even funnier happened again (laughs) well what's even funnier (laughs) is that the package that was unpublished did absolutely nothing but <laughs> echo out the name of itself. It just said IMFS. FS package. Right, it was Hello World. And it ends up breaking a ton of other packages that for some reason had it as a dependency. It's the weirdest thing. Over a thousand. There were over a thousand packages that were using, that were that were requiring the FS package. And once this hello world package got pulled down the internet just sort of blew up and went what the hell is this again (laughs) now hopefully those things got would have gotten caught mostly in development environments not so much in production well no it was in production because when you tried to deploy any changes then your your npm updater would try to pull the fs package and find it unpublished and fail over 
so this is a really weird thing about that uh, node world. And I, I've worked in a node shop before, and they kind of adhere to this as well. It's like instead of caching, some people do, a lot don't, but instead of caching the, the vendor packages, these packages that they go out and grab, packaging that up and then doing a deployment to production, they just pull in all these dependencies in production. Well, and we do, we do that with Composer. No. Yes, we do. Yeah, what are you talking about? Well, you're not supposed to. You include it in your source code? You, you include your vendor directory? You're supposed to build your vendor directory and push a build to your production systems. Oh. Okay, so he's right. If you're using Jenkins or something, that's what you're doing, right? Yeah, and so. there are a number of, of recommendations to include your vendor directory in your source code control in Git. Man, I don't know. That, um, seems, that seems like that would make your repo very, very heavy. Well, it's, they're text files, man. They're transmitted as tar, tar zips. They're like... Not, not when they're stored in your repo, though. Oh, they're, yeah. They're, what are you talking about? Yeah. If, if, you're, if you're including them into your repo, you've got, you've got the, the end, end result of your Composer install. Yeah, but your repo's compressed. Whose repo's compressed? What do you mean? Everyone's. Dot .git. Go to your dot .git directory. I refuse to listen to you. When I clone it, you're, you're saying it pulls down a zipped version of it and then explodes it? I don't think and it does. And zips it. Explodes it and zips it. If you go to your .git directory and head into your objects... I forgot to tell you, John. Thomas did a talk on Git Good. I know. Where he I, got... I, I heard. I wanted to, to see that one. So, so now I'm a little nervous that he actually might know what he's talking about this time. There's hmm? a directory in your objects directory called pack and that is a compressed version of a calculated garbage cleanup scheduled based collection of your repo he's starting to use big words now i, I think he's losing it good trying not, to multitask it's not really just big <laughs> words it's like it's like he pulled words out of midair it's like i'm gonna put all these together and see if i can make a sentence out of them <laughs> no no really uh git pack is where your extended history is stored Okay. Uh, so I'm still not hearing compression here. On a regular schedule, when you do a git commit, git will take older stuff that it considers relevant and tar zip it into pack files. So if you if you were to try and roll back, you know, 20 commits, then you would see references to unpacking versions of old files. And when you're packing two files that only change by one line, you're essentially looking at a zipped text file with a couple characters changed. So you're saying if I look at the size of my .git directory, keeping in mind that there's other things in there besides this pack directory, or maybe just look at the size of the pack directory, that would tell me how big my repo would be yeah. and how, how much data I'm, I'm transmitting. Yeah. Well, in the process of transmitting, when you're doing a clone or a push or a pull, Anything going over the wire is compressed into a zip file and uncompressed on the other side. That I believe. I mean, it tells you right when you're doing the git push or git pull that it's compressing. Where's this pack directory at? Because I'm not seeing it. Dot git objects pack. I see it. There it is. <laughs> I just got a calendar reminder. One of our clients sent us a, a go-to meeting invite for 11 p.m. instead of 11 a.m. today. Yeah, I just had it. I just had to accept mine too. <laughs> we no, we should we should jump on just to see if he shows up. <laughs> we're late. Skype him. 
Okay, I don't know. Yeah, so, I'll take you for your word, Thomas. Back but, to so, the FS saga. So, so you're saying? Well, hold on. I'm not done with this saga yet, because right. I mean, th- this does lead into the question of you know how can we protect ourselves as PHP developers in our composer architecture, which is exactly what we're talking about here. So, do you currently today commit your vendor directory to your repo? No. Okay. I am, I am not in operations, and that decision is above my, my head. But if I were in charge, absolutely I would be. I, I had not heard of that before. But what he's saying, though, is his build server will do the composer install, get all the latest, and w- once that's successful, that's when it goes to the production server. That makes that is a lot the of theory. sense to me. Yeah. Where yeah, that That's part of our build process. So, yeah, I, 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 I subscribe to that. I, I do well, we have a lot of servers, so if we want to deploy to 50 servers, we don't want to be hit and get for every deployment. And, and you always you always run that weird off chance where half your servers get one version, and the guy happens to upgrade the version in the middle of your deployment, and the other half gets another version. Actually, the lock file should absolutely make sure that that doesn't occur. That's true. Yeah. But... There is, a, there is a case where if someone intentionally screwed with things, possibly with a rebase, then that could happen. But either way... I'm going to look into this. I'm going to look into the whole committing your vendor directory and make sure you're not pulling my leg on it, Thomas. Because I hadn't, I hadn't heard that one. But, you know, again, to your credit, I fought people on committing the .log file. That didn't make sense to me. For the first couple times, somebody tried to explain it to me, and then I finally came around to that way of thinking. And, you know, honestly, sitting here right now, I can't think of a good reason not to do the vendor directory with the exception of size being an issue and how much you want to store in your repo. It would protect you against a lot of these concerns. But I just, I had not heard of somebody recommending that before, so I will look into it. Everything I had read said don't include it, but... And I think most things, in most cases, you shouldn't. But when you're dealing with a a production endpoint, which users rely on uh, and is not published anywhere else, then it's recommended. Although I can tell you, Composer officially says, no, don't commit your vendor directory. But that is an old position. There are a lot of people out there who have recently come around and said, yeah, commit your vendor directory. Phil? Phil, if you're still listening, just tweet whether or not Thomas was wrong there. No, or no, Thomas no. You're right. not allowed to make personal call-outs like that. Phil, he he will be in a fetal position crying if you say he's wrong again, I can guarantee you. Yeah, if I'm wrong again, I'm burning that shirt. <laughs> Your double-claw shirt. You're the first guy I saw wearing one of those in the wild, you know that? I, I, no, seen I it. know, it's, it's oddly specific. I can't imagine a lot of people wearing them. Well, we we would. I, I mean, the the circles we run into, going yeah. to conferences and stuff, you, you'd see it. And I've seen a couple of them, but you're the first time I, I saw one. Just and, and I've actually seen another one in the wild where I wasn't at a conference, I wasn't at a geek event. I just saw a really? guy wearing it. Yeah. I can tell you that 99% of the time somebody recognizes it, they go, hey, construction, huh? Say, <laughs> Obviously not. <laughs> <laughs> this is a tool not intended for construction. This is a, this is a tool mocking tools for construction. <laughs> All right, guys. Well, yeah. So back back to 
No back, back to sleep. News. Yes, we're, back to we're, we're, cl- we're closing out. It's time we're for bed. 57 minutes into this conversation. And, and look at this. He's waking up. He's like, hey, baby, I need to be. Nolan's rolling. I need to be held. Oh. If you guys on the podcast <laughs> could just see the baby sleeping. Okay, you guys. It's been another episode of PHP Ugly. <laughs> I've been your host, Tom Rideout. I'm John Gonga. And I'm Eric Van Johnson. Keep it ugly. Hold on. What? As I always say, please rate and review us on iTunes. Uh, we are trying to bump up our listenership. And uh, if you like our podcast, I think other people will like it too. Thank you for listening to the PHP Ugly podcast. PHP Ugly can be found on Twitter at PHP Ugly. You can also follow the host, Tom Rideout, on Twitter at RealRideout. And myself, Eric Van Johnson, on Twitter at Showcom. That's spelled S-H-O-C-M. See you next week.